to the latest Fifth Step podcast. Today I'll be talking to Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray uh, about the general data protection regulation 12 months on. Um, can't believe 12 months on, where does the time fly, Darren? I know, well, time flies when you're having so much fun with GDPR, I guess. Yeah, but uh, well, exactly. But looking, looking back over the last 12 months, um, has the regulation had any real impact? That's a good question, and uh, really the whole premise of, um, of our discussion today, Chris, really, isn't it? But I think it has had a great deal of impact, but you know, certainly what we've seen is that some organisations have some confusion around GDPR still. Um, some have implemented just the minimal amount that they, that they need to. Nothing wrong with that at all, taking that proportionate approach. Um, but some organisations perhaps are still in a little bit more of a wait and see than I'd like them to be in. None of our customers, I hasten to add, but um, you know, certainly we see aspects of this in the marketplace. I mean, there, was, there were a lot of stories um, towards the middle of last year, and there was a fear that you know, the risk penalties, talking about maybe 4% global turnover or, or 20, 20 million pound fines, they were going to become the norm. Yeah. That hasn't happened yet, has it? But are we still right to be afraid that these things might come to pass? Yeah, absolutely, because the ICO said right at the very beginning that it was going to be a, a, you know, a softly, softly, more of a carrot rather than stick implementation from their perspective and so we've seen a few companies that have been fined you know up to the previous maximum the sort of um, half a million pound mark but in the UK we've not seen those big ticket fines yeah now that's not the case however in uh, in Europe you know we've seen um, the uh, the French regulator CNIL um, actually implement um, fines there, and uh, yeah, the biggest one being Google. Google, wasn't really, it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they was, uh, that, was that 50, 50 million or fifty million euros. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's about uh, forty-four million uh, pounds, um, and probably uh, roughly about just under fifty million uh, dollars, I guess, around about that. Uh, yeah. uh, that kind of value for our international listeners. Um, so, uh, yeah, the French uh, regulator is certainly bared its teeth a lot earlier on, but the French regulator does have a little bit of a, a tendency to be that little bit harsher, particularly um, on, in my experience anyway, on the American organisations, uh, you know, and that's often been a fear cited by uh, American organisations and indeed by President Trump There's himself, I think. No love lost possibly there between... Um President Macron and Donald Trump. Or <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. They got off to be firm friends to begin with, didn't they? But yeah, uh, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. So, but, well, in terms of fines, I think we've covered off. You know, uh, some important points there. But there, I mean, GDPR is about a lot about a lot more than fines, isn't it? It's also a lot of it's to do with about you know, helping people to understand their personal data rights, and there's been progress made there, I understand. Oh, absolutely, there has. I mean, I think the the public's awareness. Um, of GDPR is, or, or of their rights under data protection, you know, have never been greater. And I, but I think that's a global phenomenon now because you know, every website has changed to one degree or another. They're all asking for permission around, you know, cookies or changing their permissions around cookies. Um, and whether you're based in the UK or the US um, or other parts of the world, you're seeing an increasing amount of data privacy verification. Having hmm. said that, though, many businesses have been quite slow to implement uh, technology processes uh, process to achieve compliance, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. A lot of this is still very manual. Now, there are some good 
systems out there to help with this kind of compliance and to ensure um, the validation of um, you know of permissions and things like that to make sure that people are actually giving active consent for their data to be used. Um, there are some very good systems for that. However, uh, many organisations have uh, taken a far more um, traditional approach, shall we say. Yeah. I think that will change over time, though. And in terms of uh, the uh, impact that GDPR has had, it's on other regulatory regimes. That's, that's yeah. been quite profound as well. Yeah, it has. And, uh, you know, we've seen, and I think we spoke several times on some of the podcasts um, about how, I, you know, I was seeing the change in the US market uh, around data protection and data privacy and the questions were being asked um, by individuals on that side of the Atlantic about why you know, European data was being treated this way whereas American data was being treated differently. Now that's beginning to change and that's something that we predicted. Now it's not quite got to a federal legislation yet, I think that will come in time, but we now have California lining up uh, with its uh, regulation, the CCPA. Mm. That comes into force and into enforcement rather in January um, 2020 and then we've got Washington State, it's looking like it's going to be the, the next big one uh, that's going to pass but that's still working its way through at the moment and that probably won't come into being until you know, 20, uh, 2022 or um, uh, sorry, 2021 or 2022 or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talk to people in departments ranging from finance to marketing uh, to HR, uh, and I, I remember from last year you were saying that a lot of those continue to sort of, you know, almost insource the problems. They, they rely on in-house in, in capabilities to make sense of the GDPR world. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's not the right way to go with it, really. Uh, no, and uh, you know, if you say that, uh, you know, particularly on a podcast well, like this, you know, people are going to say, "Oh, well, you know, Darren, you're, you're promoting fifth step here. You're obviously going to say that you should look external." Well, that's true. Uh, of course, I'm promoting fifth step here in what I'm saying, but actually, the the heart and the rationale for my saying that is not to do with fifth step. It's more than actually to do with the protection of the organisation. It's all too easy to misunderstand GDPR to get the wrong wrong end of the stick. Uh, about something and then to implement that into your processes and procedures. Now that can have um, you know, two effects I guess. It can have the effect of making your processes uh, less efficient because you're doing something you don't need to do or in the worst case it could actually have the effect that you're not actually compliant and you're not doing things the right way around just because someone is misunderstood. So, you know, I would say um, look externally to, you know, to make sure you've got the validation and the verification of your processes and approach. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, we, we've talk, you know, talked about the UK, there have been no major fines handed out yet, but um, there was the incident which was widely reported last year uh, regarding aggregate, you know, IQ, the Canadian company that supplied software to Cambridge uh, Analytica. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, would it be helpful, do you think, to explain to our listeners the background uh, behind that and why that was such an important sort of test case? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I think probably most people understand how the information from Cambridge Analytica was gained, but um, if they don't, let me give a, a quick recap to that. So um, the way that Facebook worked uh, at that time and the way that it worked up until that time, actually, um, is that anyone with uh, API access could actually really drill down into uh, into your data, 
but also your friends' data, and they didn't need a great deal of permission or um, didn't need to be invited too far in to be able to do that. So we've all seen these um, ridiculous surveys on uh, on Facebook, you know, which which Star Trek character are you, or you know, which Star Wars character are you? Oh, you answer. Vision. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how I spend my evenings <laughs> now. <laughs> but it's a lieutenant Uhura. No, it's not a lieutenant Uhura. I'm getting all mixed up with Captain Kirk. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Very well done, Chris. Your knowledge of uh, sci-fi uh, characters from the late sixties mm-hmm. is uh, impressive. May you live long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to draw a line under <laughs> this somewhere. But those kind of surveys, um, when you answered them, it gave uh, Cambridge Analytica and uh, any of the organisations working with them access to not only your information but also all of your friends' information as well. So it didn't take long, or you know, only a, a percentage of the population had to answer these questions before Cambridge Analytica had access to a, a very wide amount of information, you know, your personal information, your likes, your dislikes, and other activity on Facebook. Now, that's all been clamped down, and that's all been recognised, and um, you know, Facebook has uh, made several mayor culpas and is still going through um, some uh, court cases around some of that stuff. So, um, you know, they've changed and they've locked down the APIs, and many people say now that they are far more secure. They've probably still got some way to go, um, but they are heading further into the right direction. So the aggregate IQ um, software enabled this behaviour and uh, you know, really sort of uh, mined the information and made it available to uh, Cambridge Analytica. But in terms of that case, and that was the first formal information action, wasn't it, under the UK's Data Protection Act 2018? So you know, in its own way, it was quite groundbreaking. It, it was, and uh, the, uh, the fine there was um, up to the the previous maximum of the uh, uh, £500,000, so half a million pounds fine. Um, That was the previous maximum under the old Data Protection Act uh, prior to GDPR. So, uh, you know, in that respect, it was, you know, it's very uh, noteworthy in that respect. So moving beyond the Cambridge Analytica case, which in in one sense was kind of like an act of self-harm, really, and um, uh, going wider in terms of cyber security, I mean, you know, organisations are notably improving their approach to resilience, aren't they, or, or, or aren't they? They are. I mean, GDPR has made organisations look at this and look at things in another way, and GDPR requires um, resiliency to be part of um, managing and processing personal information. You have to have access to that personal information when it's required, so you have to have good backup and recovery processes and procedures in place uh, to enable that. Um, does it mean that every organisation is protecting everything from being hacked? Well, no, of course not. No organisation can do that. But if you have the right processes and procedures in place, what you can do is limit the amount of the breach or the impact of the, the breach. And if you're taking things a step further and you're implementing good encryption and things like that, it may be that the information that's that's breached or is stolen is actually only stolen in its encrypted form. Uh, we talk about hacking, of course, and electronic forms of like uh, data theft, but you know it's not just limited to that, is it? I mean, you know, if, you, if you're if you're a company that's sort of got up to speed with the latest electronic placements all over, and you're using a lot of paper, that would still you know, oh, absolutely. Heap of trouble, it? absolutely, and and you're right. That's one of those misconceptions, Chris, and that's some we've seen um, uh, and worked with clients who have given us 
that feedback that until they actually worked with us, they didn't have that appreciation that it was actually analog data as well as digital data that was in, within the scope. Yeah. So your filing cabinet in the corner of the room um, with all the you know medical records or the personnel records or whatever it may be um, is uh, is as in scope to GDPR as uh, the electronic copies of those documents. Okay, so uh, so what should companies do next? That well, no companies who are facing the, G, the same old GDPR problems or new GDPR problems. What's their next step? Okay, so um, there's three answers uh, to this, or three uh, things. I've already mentioned the piece around um, getting an external GDPR assessment. It sounds um, overkill. It sounds as if it may be wasted, but really, we've seen organisations who have implemented GDPR incorrectly, and that's worst case, as I've already said, can mean that they're not compliant. In the best case, it just means that they're being inefficient, or perhaps they've got, um, you know, an over overly bureaucratic approach to um, GDPR, and that means that more people are being dedicated to it, or indeed, the data subject access requests are taking longer. And to a certain extent, would you say that some people who are faced with you know, the potential threat, there's a certain fear in their part, not you know, of getting getting things wrong, and that they might not be reporting sort of pro problems in the system to their to their board even, or to their you know, to their senior management. That can be the case for sure. Um, you know, we've certainly seen that. You know, hopefully, most organisations are a little bit more enlightened these days. But you do definitely still see that. Yeah, where sure, and that that is one of the key reasons why as organisations such as yourselves can, can actually add value in that regard because you're impartial and independent. So to me, you know, it, it does it absolutely make sense. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we would say that, of course, but it does make sense and it makes sense from the perspective of you get that external view, you get that external verification of your approach and of your processes, and you also get someone saying, well, look, you could afford not to do this piece here or, um, you know, take this shorter cut here because... Uh, for an organisation of your size or processing type, etc., 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 and all of those things can be changes and can be developments um, and enhance the process or reduce the a number of people. And the other the other aspect to mention, of course, is the, the data opportunity, isn't it? Because GDPR is a great starting point in terms of getting better touch points in your data. Yeah. But that's the whole point is that you know whether that's done you know, by fifth step or either again internally, uh, but. You know, trying to find out where your data is and how you can leverage the benefits of that data to provide better insights. Yeah, if data. you're collecting and storing and processing this information, best to get best use out of it, um, for sure. Uh, and you mentioned in the past that you shouldn't regard you know, GDPR as a, as a one-and-done project. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, um, uh, GDPR uh, is a project, of course it is, once you get to implementation, but you need to revisit it, you need to come back, you need to make sure um, that you're... Um, uh, re-looking at it, you're making sure that things are proportionate. Um, don't consider it done just because um, you know May 25th, 2019, sorry, 2018 has already passed. Don't regard it that way because there is new advice coming from the ICO and the other regulators um, about uh, how certain things should be regarded. That's always going to be the case. So make sure that you're looking at the way that you're processing things, your organisation is processing things, and make sure that you're keeping up with the latest advice on that. Uh, and in terms of you know, re reviewing your GDPR processes, yeah, I mean, yeah. So what you're saying basically a couple of times a year, isn't it? Yeah. Do it a couple of times a year um, because um, what that allows you to do is to uh, review the the processes that you've run. So if you've had at least a couple of DSARs during that that time, 
um, understand how you've how you've run them. What how, what about them went well? What went badly? What can you learn from that? Um, you know, what processes do you need to improve? Are there changes to your IT systems, for example, that need to be made to make this a more friendly process? You know, for your staff, and not forgetting the need when you're doing DSARS um, to look at redaction. This is something that's a big aspect or an increasingly big aspect around uh, doing data subject access requests, making sure that you're not breaching mm. by sending information out that relates or identifies other data subjects whilst responding to uh, a data subject access request. Okay, so there we are. So, you know, GDP, GDPR one year on. It's hard, hard to believe that in that time that Brexit has kind of, kind of come, and, come and gone and come, come and gone again and, and it's, it's still on. Before yeah. it'll, it'll all be over by now. But it's amazing to realise what can happen in the space of a year, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, that's the nature of, um, nature of business and that's the nature of change. And that's why, you know, we need to have this um, fluid approach to, to, to change management and to implementing... Um, you know, change of all kinds and not considering something to definitely be finished when it's said to be uh, finished or approaching its date just because of the deadline in the line you know deadline in the sand or a line in the sand doesn't mean that we're actually gonna mm. when we cross that line it's all done and dusted whether yeah. that be GDPR or Brexit or other forms of complex change too Sure. Okay. Well, that concludes today's podcast. Thanks, Darren. Um, in terms of um, finding out more about uh, Fifth Step's approach to GDPR and other uh, subjects such as Brexit or whatever it may be, IT infrastructure or IT complex leadership, change. complex change, mm-hmm. um, you can uh, visit the uh, website, obviously, which is www.fifthstep.com. And I'll spell that out. That's F-I-F-T-H-S-T-E-P.com. Uh, we've got at Fifth Step on Twitter. And, of course, the usual sort of LinkedIn channels and, yep. and uh, mechanisms that you know, people use. We haven't, haven't got a Snapchat um, uh, uh, yeah. channel yet, have we? I mean, uh, I'm thinking about asking my kids if we can, uh, how we could, you know, use that as a new distribution channel. Leveraging yeah. the, the knowledge of the younger generation. Younger generation, yeah. 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 Well, I'm sure it'll be a fair knowledge exchange. You can share with them the details about old Star Trek and they can uh, share <laughs> their knowledge of Snapchat. Well, they've got the new Star Trek now, of course. Well, of course. Uh, who has changed? Uh, <laughs> who would have thought it? Indeed. <laughs> no. Indeed. Okay, well, on that note, I think that's all we've got time for today and I'd just like to say thank you, uh, thank you to all our listeners for tuning in again. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Darren.